Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Today I'm continuing where I left off yesterday with the doctrine of theology, the study of God. Imperfect people trying to understand a perfect God, and yet there's plenty in the Word of God to help us do that. And the thing that God has left us with in this earth is to reduplicate ourselves, make other converts in this earth, leading them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We got a great teaching today. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. I began a series, it's gonna take quite a while, but I began it yesterday talking about theology and began with the word theology. Theology is the study of God. We think, oh, that's interesting. But we got into the actual impossibility of it. How can imperfect beings study a perfect God? How can sinful human beings understand a righteous God? And how can uh, beings that are temporal understand an eternal God, a God that never had a beginning, never had an end? And I honestly think we're gonna be studying this all the way into eternity and never will reach the point where we totally understand God. He's beyond all comprehension. Even with us in a resurrection body and a perfected mind, it's gonna take forever. And again, and we still not will come to the end of it. We'll always be finding out new things about God all the time. In other words, we have a great future ahead of us. So we began talking about the fact that God sent Jesus Christ to die for us and Jesus Christ brought the two impossibilities together. Perfect God on one side, imperfect man on the other. Righteous God, fallen man, how the two can come together. We took this up also in chapter nine of the book of Job, where Job said, I know it's possible, but how in the world can it be that an unrighteous man can have a relationship with a perfect God? He said, for he's perfect, I'm not. How can we ever come together in judgment? And then he said this, neither is there any umpire between us that could lay his hand upon us both. He answered the question. What if there was an umpire? What if there was somebody that could put one hand on God and one hand on man? And the way he could do that was because he is God and he can become man. Jesus Christ has always, from the time again before the cross, before he ever came, was born into this earth, he was always God. But he also entered into this earth as man, but a perfect man, a man capable of taking on the sins of the world, dying, judging them, and then being able to be raised from the dead because he had no sins of his own. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins. And once the bill was paid, he could be raised from the dead. Hell could not hold him because why? He paid for our sins, but had none of his own. He could not be held in a place where he had no sin. So he rose from the dead, and that's, again, how God created the plan. In other words, God actually had a plan for perfect God and imperfect man to come together, and we talked about it. He did it for one unanswerable reason. He loves us. That's the unanswerable thing. How could God love total disasters like us? God knows we're total disasters. We're full of sin, human good deeds, and sinful thinking, and when wrong, we shift the blame to other people. One of the biggest problems with God's plan is to get those who want to receive the plan to try to, to stop trying to work for it. We want to do something to help God, and then at the end we can say we help to justify ourselves. The plan of redemption has nothing to do with us except for one decision. Do we receive Jesus or not? He left that decision with us. 
This includes self-righteousness, giving time and money to the needy, church attendance, or being a loving person. We try to do all those things to merit something that we cannot merit ourselves because the source of these things, these loving people and church attendance and giving to the needy comes from imperfect beings and God cannot receive it. God can only receive something from a totally righteous person, his son, Jesus Christ, or us, but we have to come and ask for that righteousness. And when we do, we become the righteousness of God. Then we then are giving to the needy, our giving time, our, our acts of righteousness, church attendance, being a loving person can actually work now because it's backed by a brand new nature. Trying to help God is arrogance. Thinking the plan of God depends on us or even needs us is arrogance. God can get along fine without us, and he did before we or anything else was created. There is a proper place for good works, but not to merit eternal life. They come after salvation to show the world, those around us, our eternal life. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we were saved unto good works. This calls for a divine genius to create the plan, to continue the plan, to maintain the plan, to perpetuate a perfect plan for imperfect beings. God is that divine genius who came up with it. Yet, despite all of our faults, despite all of our imperfections, God did it for one reason. He loves us. That was the motive behind it. He loved us. God didn't make us righteous so that he could manipulate us. He still allows us to follow our own thinking if we want to, or follow his thinking through the word of God if we want to. Our desires still matter. So after we're saved, again, we can choose not to grow at all, or we can choose to grow. It doesn't stop the fact that we're children of God, but we want to become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to become mature believers, so certain divine attributes must be understood before God's plan can be realized or even appreciated. So the study we're going to be taking up here for, for a number of weeks is we're going to be like the blind men trying to understand an elephant. A number of blind, this is just an old story, never really happened, but they said it's kind of like when you're trying to understand God, a number of blind men crawling all over an elephant. And one of them, you know, touched the, the tail and said, oh, God is like a rope. And so then someone else grabbed the trunk and said, no, God is much like a tree. Here's the trunk of it. And then some, one of the other ones felt the legs and said, no, he's like a giant stump. And they had all had different things, but they're blind. We want you to understand something. We're going to examine parts of God's person and character, yet we're never going to totally understand God himself. We'll learn about God's person. We'll learn about his character through all eternity, never finding an end to it. So what's our conclusion after yesterday and today? Our conclusion is this. God is infinite in every attribute. His creation, he's still creating today. The universe is still expanding. New things are coming into being. So God is infinite in every attribute. God created. Next of all, God is all wisdom. And his wisdom, again, just goes on and on throughout all of eternity. His knowledge will go on and on throughout all of eternity. His judgments are infinite. His ways are infinite. His decisions are infinite. His counsel is infinite. And once we begin to understand that, now we'll understand this. I'll be in heaven and with God for eternity and never totally understand everything about God. All humanity is born into their problems. You see, Jesus came to die for those that were sinners. We are sinners, but we didn't become sinners when we sinned. No, we sinned because we were already sinners. And so all humanity is born into their problems. We didn't choose to have our problems. We entered them at birth. 
Adam's failure in the garden sold all of humanity into slavery to Satan. When Adam sinned, the results of his sin passed on to all born from him, which included us. We didn't choose to be sinners. Adam chose for us. And so again, Jesus came to earth to die for us, pay the price needed to free us from Adam's transgression, and also to release us from Satan's control. All this was done because God loved us. Again, come back to it. It's a lot of work, a lot of crazy things that God had to look at. Man's attitude, again, man's ideas about him. He had to look at all that and simply say, but I love him enough to do this. And sent Jesus Christ, even knowing not everybody would receive Jesus. In fact, the interesting thing is God knew ahead of time more people would reject him than save him. Jesus even said that. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that find that, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And he said, and this is because only few will accept him. And he said, and few will find the way. But yet Jesus came and died, even if only a few would receive him. Listen to this. Jesus came and died if only one would have received him, you. But I'm going to go further than that. Jesus would have died if no one accepted him. But they did. And thank God they did. And throughout all of eternity, it'll be the same way. And listen, from the time of the cross and Jesus' resurrection up until the time we come to the kingdom, where after that, nobody will be saved. After the millennium is over, everyone will have a resurrection body. In that time period, we're going to have many from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation from around the world. But the bulk of people, the great majority of people will reject Jesus Christ and will end up going to hell. So again, Jesus came to this earth to die for us. He came to pay the price needed to free us from Adam's transgression and to free us from Satan's control. Because Adam released Satan's curse into this world, Jesus had to come to the earth to remove the curse. To free humanity, Jesus had to enter the earth without the curse of Adam given to all of Adam's offspring at birth. This was the first accomplishment through the virgin birth. Then Jesus must also live a sinless life to fulfill the law of God given to Moses. He came and fulfilled what had happened in, in Adam. He was born outside the curse, but then he also had to come and fulfill the law because he couldn't go to the cross without fulfilling the law. So he did that. His birth freed him from the curse on Adam, and then his life brought him to the place where he had kept the law and was qualified to go to the cross for all mankind. He was that perfect lamb of God that was introduced on Passover, that Jesus Christ died on Passover and went to the cross to save us from our sins. As perfect and sinless, Jesus could then take our sins and remove them from us when we accept him as our savior. It's all waiting on one thing. Jesus forgave them, will never be held accountable for them, but he removes them from us when we accept Jesus Christ as our savior. At his resurrection, the removal of our sins was complete and Jesus was released from death. He paid for our sins and since he had no sins of his own, death could not hold him. And this is why there is salvation in no other name than through the name of Jesus Christ. Buddha can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. No one else can save you. This is why there's salvation in no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. Humanity is freed from sin one person at a time as each accepts Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. Jesus came to earth to die for us of his own free will. 
we then accept him and his sacrifice of our own free will in crucifixion. Jesus died for every sin we have ever committed or will commit except for one. And he left that one sin for us to judge and that is acceptance or rejection of Jesus Christ. He didn't die for that sin. He left it out there. The sin separating us from God is rejection of Jesus Christ. Removing the sin that separates us from God happens when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If Jesus would have died for that sin, then everybody would be saved whether they wanted to be or not. There would be no evangelism. There would be no need to accept Jesus, no need for church, no need for witnessing, because if Jesus went to the cross and died for that sin, then the whole world would be saved. When he rose from the dead, there would be no need for salvation. But you see, the Great Commission was given to the church because the Great Commission only asked for one thing, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So what Adam did was forced on us without our choice, but what Jesus did is given to us by choice. God honors our will. And Adam and Satan, who brought this curse into this earth, did not honor man's will. They forced it on us, but God will not force his salvation on us. He gives us the choice to accept Jesus or not to. Therefore, when a person dies and ends up going to hell, they can't blame God. They can only blame themselves. So I guess it comes back to this. One birth can lead to another. Since we are born into Adam's curse, we die to Adam and are reborn into Christ when we accept him. Now we can lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. A saved person can now lead other people into salvation. When we come back from the break, I'll continue from there. So we're a lot of things again to teach after this. And I've got even other courses to teach after this on different areas of theology. And I know you're gonna be blessed. I'll see you right after the break. Bible doctrines are easy to understand. They only seem difficult because they often come disguised as complicated or deep-sounding concepts, but their explanations are simple. In Theology Simplified, Volume 2, Bob Yandian breaks down eight more foundational doctrines that will bring strength and stability to your Christian life. Twelve messages include the Bible doctrines of advocacy, the church, dispensations, the fall of man, the study of God, the judgments, faith for salvation, and unlimited atonement. These 12 episodes from the Student of the Word broadcasts are available as audio CDs, video DVDs, or both audio and video on a USB flash drive. To order Theology Simplified Volume 2, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com.
www.bobyandianministries.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Again, since we're born into Adam's curse, we die in Adam and then we're reborn into Christ and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this changes so many people. You see, the object of being born again is so we can be into God's family, but then the object of the word after that. You see, it's the message of salvation that gets us saved. After that, it's the word of God that brings us into a place of acceptance with God in our natural life. In other words, it makes us adults. In other words, you can have a baby and, oh, they're so cute and everything else, but as that baby begins to grow up, if it fights everything you're trying to teach that child, oh, yeah, I mean, you're glad you have a child, but you wish the child would just wake up. There's a lot of Christians that need to wake up. He didn't bring us into this earth just to get saved. If he did, he'd haul us to heaven the moment we got saved. His will is done. But the rest, other part of his will is that we who are now saved become disciples, learners of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I do this broadcast. That's why I come to you every day teaching you the word of God is so you'll end the broadcast a little smarter than when you came into it. And with that little bit of smartness, you'll be able to, again, find the will of God for your life, fulfill the will of God for your life, find the place that God wants you to be ministering to other people. And again, the greatest ones that bring people into the kingdom of God are disciples. Converts get to go to heaven, but disciples get to take others with them. What a great thing God has given to us. And so again, I praise God for those who watch the broadcast and learn from it. And I have a praise report here, and this is from Deborah. And Deborah says, I love your teaching. Thanks for sharing every day. Well, I enjoy doing it. I'm not doing this because I'm being forced to. I'm not doing it because it provides a paycheck for me. I'm not doing it because people send finances into the broadcast so that we can do this and uh, you know produce books and things and all that to help people. I do it for one reason. I want to see others raised up that when I leave from here, Satan's going to be angry because one, one young man at five years old that accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior has left this earth duplicating himself thousands and thousands of times over. That is my reward. If I ever got anything in heaven or didn't get anything in heaven, I don't care. You know, although there is rewards for me there, I know that, but I'm not doing it for the rewards. I'm doing it to see people's lives changed. And while I'm here on earth, get to see other people's life changed from the people who's had their life changed under me. And it's almost like I produce children, then grandchildren come along and great-grandchildren come along, those who lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, one birth in this life, that's me, can lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And since we're born into Adam's curse, we die to Adam and re are reborn into Christ when we accept Jesus. And this is the reason why we choose the new birth that Jesus offers. John chapter three and verse three says this, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There is only one way to eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ. It's not through Mohammed or Buddha 
You know, it's not through any of those others, religions or whatever, it comes through this. If what you're learning is the fact that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus, then you've found the correct way, the only way. And God was so good to write it in his Bible, put it in this earth and have us preach it. Some people think it's arrogance for Jesus Christ to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, no, it's confidence because it's true. He came to tell us the truth. If someone says, no, I'm the way, then that's a lie because the Bible says Jesus is the way. Well, I'm not sure I believe the Bible. Well, I can tell you this, once the Bible was completed, at the end of the book, it says no one can add to or take away from this. And from the day that that was completed in 96 AD, when John wrote the book of Revelation, I'm here to tell you, no one has added to the word of God or taken away from it. It stands complete because it came from a complete heavenly father. All other religions have to adapt, change, do things like that, but never the Bible because the truth can't be changed. A lie can be changed. Error can be, you know, removed. But on top of that, the Bible has no errors. It has no false doctrine in it. It is absolutely true. And for those who have doubted it for years, eventually one day they find out, oh, the Bible was true. I remember back when I was in Bible college, they believed back in the late 60s, early 70s, that the Hittite empire didn't even exist. Oh, it was a little place, but you know, in the imagination of the writers, you know, of the word of God, Joshua, Moses, others like that, oh, you know, it, it was not that big. And yet they made it big to make it sound better, to make the Bible sound more interesting. But you know what they found out by the time I was in, in a college, I mean, from the time I went, you know, and I later on became a college student and then later on, you know, got into the ministry, they discovered something through archaeology. <gasps> the Hittite Empire was gigantic. It covered vast and vast and vast areas. And they all had to go, huh, the Bible was right all the time. God doesn't wait for us to find out something. You know, God puts it in there whether anybody believes him or not, because why? It is the truth. John chapter three and verse three says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22 tells us the key to it. We are born in Adam. We need to be reborn into Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In heaven, we're gonna stand before the Lord and you know, as believers, and we'll be there for the judgment seat of Christ. A thousand years later is going to be the great white throne judgment of which all sinners will be judged. And in heaven, all sinners will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And this judgment, will form and tell us whether we are in Adam or Christ. Remember the verse, in Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive. This is going to tell us if we are in Adam or in Christ. And so it's, they're not there because of their works. They think, you know, they'll often think, well, I'm gonna get to heaven and I'm gonna stand before God and I'm gonna tell him, look all the good things I did. And God's gonna go, hmm, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. And so, okay, I'm gonna let you into heaven, but you don't get into heaven because of deeds. In fact, both your good deeds and bad deeds were judged by Jesus on the cross because they're all works. And so he died for our sins and they're going to stand there with their good works. And God's still going to say, your good works can't get you in here. All your good works added together. You know, you might've thought you lived a perfectly sinless life. You made a 99 on this test. They're going to shout, rejoice, jump all around. A 99. And what's my, what's my score giving? God says, F. A 99 is F. What if I got a 99.999? No, that's still an F. What gets me into heaven? A 100. Well, has anybody ever scored a 100? Yes, Jesus is the only one who scored a 100. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, I will give you his score. You know, on earth, that's called cheating. 
but in heaven it's called grace, where God will give you Jesus' score. I mean, by taking someone else's score down here, you can get kicked out of school, a lot of things because it's wrong. But God says, it's not wrong when it comes here because I'm freely offering you the score that Jesus got. If you'll accept him, you can come into heaven. You know, we often think when we get to heaven, you know, as sinners, the sinner thinks when they stand before God, they're going to be judged like an individual stalk of wheat. And standing next to them will be an individual stalk of wheat. And all these people standing around will be judged as individuals. Everyone will be judged separate one from another by the good deeds they have done. But you see, they're not in heaven with their own root system and standing before God as an individual. And because people often think, well, I think I'm better than the guy next to me. I think I'm better than even my kids were. And they'll go through this whole thing of comparing themselves with other people when God doesn't get you into heaven by comparing. God gives you into heaven for one thing. Are you in Christ or in Adam? And so as long as they're in Adam, they can stand there all they want to because why? God will judge you separate from everyone else. We are born in this earth as a limb attached to a dead tree. Adam, that's why we're dead. We're not dead because of our sins, dead because of our actions. We were born dead because we were attached to Adam. In Adam, all die. At salvation, we were removed from the dead tree and attached to the living tree. And at that time, we came to life. We are not dead or alive based on ourselves. We're dead or alive because who we're attached to. I was born in this earth attached to Adam. And one day I got attached to the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive. Our life is not our own. As a limb, we draw our life from the living tree we're attached to. We may have many good works found in the book of works, which will be there, but entrance into heaven isn't determined by our name being found written in the books of works, but found written in the book of life. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life is where it's determined. When I got born again, my name was in the book of life. Anyone who goes to heaven and stands before the great white throne judgment, if their name is not found written in the book of life, they're cast into the lake of fire. The book of life reflects one thing. I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, or I rejected Jesus as Lord and Savior. My works have nothing to do with it. Redemption is only one doctrine of theology, but it is a major doctrine. Though a Christian, we still have a connection to this fallen world. Our inward being is born again and can become closer to God each day, but our body, our flesh is still connected to this fallen world until we die and leave our body or it's changed into a resurrection body at Jesus appearing for us called the rapture of the church. Learning and applying God's word to life as well as following the leading of the Holy Spirit gives us strength to say no to the attractions of the sins of this world and say yes to God and the daily growth of righteousness. Sanctification is another important doctrine of theology that takes us from spiritual childhood into maturity. So we are left in this world to do one thing, grow in Christ and lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said it before I'll say it again, converts go to heaven, but disciples take others with them. Our goal, our mission is to take the gospel from our own sphere of life into the rest of the world. This is called the Great Commission, given to us by Jesus Christ himself and mentioned in two places, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and then also Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 19. Witnessing is also an important doctrine of theology and the goal and all growth given to us by God himself. 
To be a witness is the reason we are left on earth after receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The disciples came to Jesus just before Jesus left and said, are you going to establish the kingdom at this time? He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's in my Father's hands. But I've given you one thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. God's call on our life, God's power in our life is to do one thing, reduplicate ourselves in this earth. And we reduplicate ourselves by winning others to the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants his family to grow and grow and grow, grow even more. That's why he leaves us here day after day. And that's why God has given us so many resources for us to grow into him because the best witnesses are not children of God, they are the sons of God. Those who have matured and mature believers make the best witnesses in this earth. Well, tomorrow we'll be taking up from here and going into another one. And so again, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.